X's for Podcast is brought to you by the Cage Club Network. So for all things movies, music, media, comics, and more, check out Cage Club at cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Hey everybody, Nico Action here, and you guys have heard me for the last two years on 150 episodes along with all of my amazing co-contributors here on X's for Podcast. But this bold new age of X-Men, the hoxpox doc zoss of it all, has reached an inclusivity and diversity that no two, three, four, or even five hosts could hope to match. Going forward, X's for Podcast is adopting a bold new format. This format is going to focus on the inclusivity of the fan experience, featuring dozens of new voices across the next several months, with the same core cast, plus a few more, that you've grown used to. Rather than present you one hour-long roving discussion, we're going to be redistributing our conversations into rooms and giving you guys multifaceted looks from every angle at every issue of the X-Men. We sure hope you guys enjoy. We hope you guys are excited. And we hope you guys survive the experience. This is X Week One, Free Comic Book Day X Men. I'm Nico. I'm Kyle. I'm Arturo. And I'm Jonah. And we hope you survive this experience, unlike the tentacle arms that came out of that ball. Okay, like Free Comic Book Day was. So this thing was like hard to find for a hot minute, like because I read digitally and I just I don't really get to the comic shop anymore. I couldn't get this like in hardcore real format for a really long time because Comixology didn't have it. So when Comixology finally got this thing on August 5th, I got so excited. This is X-Men Free Comic Book Day 2020 by Jonathan Hickman and Teeny Howard with art by Pepe Larraz and Marte Gracia, lettering by Clayton Cowles with design by none other than the amazing Tom Muller. And all right. Okay. Hold on. Wait a second. I want to I want to check with everybody. Did everybody know there were giant tentacle monsters? No, but maybe. And I think that's really like part of it for me. I I don't know what I was going into when I got this. Like what was I expecting? Like I think that's where I'm kind of fucked up in the best way. I don't know what I was expecting. I didn't get what I was expecting, but I sure don't know what it was in the first place either. I don't think I thought Saturnine and Apocalypse would ever be, like, in the same arc. Like, it's just mind-boggling to me. It's really thrown me off. Arturo, you've been reading these characters forever and ever. Kyle, you've been reading them for a considerable amount of time. Jonah, you've had less experience with them. But the one thing we can all say is that the X-Men are certainly hard not to talk about. (laughs) Guys, what did you think of Free Comic Book Day? I thought it was so cool to be introduced to these completely new characters i love that things just feel so new and so different from anything that we've seen it just feels like we're we're on a fresh page and it's very confusing but we're all starting from the same place basically i thought that it was a great promotion for x of swords it really got us into a position where we were getting hints of what was to come and 
it really got me excited. And I think it's also like, it's not just about what's to come, but like, it's also what's already happened. I thought that there was a lot of focus on making sure everybody was equally confused, if that makes any sense. You know, the characters that appear on these tarot cards are so over the top connected to what we've been reading. I feel like this summoner is one of the most fascinating things that's come out of X-Men in a really long time. And if for no other reason, the summoner represents sort of like an undermining of everything that is Krakoa. Krakoa is like, look, we all tell each other everything and everybody's good friends. And then here's this guy who's like, I've been waiting for your grandfather. Welcome home. And we're all just supposed to be mad chill about it. And he's just like hanging out on a tarot card like it's nothing. And I say just like hanging out on a tarot card like it's nothing because then on another tarot card, you've got Beast, Havoc, you got Archangel, and it's... Then there's that final tarot card, Cable, and Captain Britain, and Wolverine, and Magic. And I'm just like, who is the summoner? We've been reading him for a year now. Who is the summoner? The summoner is a fugly slut. He is a fugly slut. He is creepy as fuck. (laughs) No one should trust him. He's horrible. Jonah, you had had some choice words about his very pedo van getting my game shit in the issue of X-Men that he was last in before the crossover began. And he was like, do you want to play a little game? And I feel like it's been like a slow burn with him, but you had some choice words about him from step one. You were like, I do not trust this creepy little weasel. Well, I don't know if I can still trust this creepy little weasel, but like it got better. Maybe. I'm still not exactly sure. I feel like my feelings are more leaning towards neutral as opposed to dislike and distrust and other dis words because I'm trying to diss him. But I'm not still, I'm still not comfortable with him yet because I still don't know exactly what the larger role he's trying to play and what he's trying to get at but i understand that he comes from a different culture maybe he's just weird over there you know you know maybe this is just him walking face for his people right maybe this is just like arako drag culture this is their ballroom scene everybody comes in and nothing but white with a weird body tattoos you mean the white party oh god fuck damn me and this makes this krakoa fire island well now it all makes sense and i'm pretty sure that the horsemen in this iteration would then all have much older gentlemen paying for their trips to Mykonos. Those are circuit parties. <laughs> so now that we understand that Krakoa is a circuit party, <laughs> I feel like we're all kind of on the same page. But speaking of pages, I think not enough can possibly be said about the beautiful, transformative subtlety of Saturnine sliding down the page at the top of the tarot read. It's such a minor change, and so frequently in these comics, you sort of use that design element to create like a hard shortcut, right? I don't know how else to put it, but like a hard shortcut. Like, oh, just keep pasting that panel. Just change the hands. But like, these feel different, and it still has that sense of repetition, and I want to compare that sense of repetition to something. It's kind of like gymming from the office when you kind of keep cutting to the same panel without it changing ever to create a sense of narrative flow, but I feel like the subtle movement is kind of like Ron Swanson sort of like dragging his foot off the screen to get out of the camera. I think I'm trying to say that Saturnine is the Ron Swanson of X-Men. I can see that. She's kind of that grumpy person who really is cares about the good of everything deep down inside, but doesn't let it show. 
I don't know. I, <laughs> I, I'm not jumping on your tangent. <laughs> I think Saturnine, it, it's funny that you say like she, she's concerned with everybody's well-being. I, I think she's more the type of, of character that's so focused on the big picture on a scale that is incomprehensible for anybody else that the people that get hurt and killed and sacrificed in order to preserve the big picture are irrelevant to her. You know, she's so she she doesn't seem like a like a you know like just a good character she seems like that's that's kind of where she's going to toe the line between you know hero and villain she's beyond all of that she's focused on her gig and there's going to be casualties there's going to be a price to pay and she's fine with it and that's been opal luna saturnine's character for many years since her original incarnation right. it's always about her job she has a job to protect the realms and the, make sure that nothing falls out of place it doesn't matter if something gets sacrifice doesn't even matter if certain worlds have to be destroyed in order to protect the greater universe she has a job and she's going to do it yep yep i feel like i've been uh you know i've been a little critical and a little sometimes it doesn't hit for me or whatever with excalibur but i gotta say i really appreciate how much tinny has like done her homework how she's dug into like the guts of old school original excalibur and and before that and she's really brought all of these elements back into the mix in a way that's like new and fresh because i agree yes this does feel this is opaluna saturnine from you know from from the 80s absolutely but it doesn't feel tired it feels fresh it, she's she's such a compelling character already it's 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 pretty incredible what she's doing so and it's kind of like the way that we've been calling that kind of like the wanda scale like the scarlet scale everybody was like oh wanda you shouldn't have resurrected genosha but, like, I'm sorry. Wanda has bigger problems than your petty humanity or something. And, like, that's just how it has to be for her. And Teeny is so involved in writing these incredibly dynamic women with concerns so far beyond that of the other, they're kind of their constituents. It's a really interesting, almost emotionless mirror to the sort of darkness we project onto Apocalypse's very similar posturing. I noticed something very similar to to the ending of giant-sized X-Men Storm. Um, so we have this big glowing thing with a symbol on it, and then when they summon the tentacle thing out of it, it speaks the same language that whatever was at the end of giant-sized Storm was speaking. Huh, okay, oh, wow. wait, hold up, back up, rewind, important note then, because I have to intersect with that because that's totally, oh my god, okay, so I've been trying to figure out why in the fucking name of fuck they would possibly put Giant Size Storm in the read order between Excalibur and X-Men. Yeah. And I've been, I've been trying to figure out how Giant Size Storm could have anything to do with this crossover, why it would come in that read order so late. It just, it felt so out of place. Why would they want that fresh in people's mind when that really feels like it goes a couple of months ago? And holy shit, that's a really great visual analysis I didn't come to. Yeah, and remember, Giant Size Storm ended with Doug saying, I'll be seeing you too. So I'm wondering if this forgotten place, some forsaken time, is actually the world just continuing to evolve to the point where it's about to explode. My 
goodness. I am really interested in now how the world is meant to interact with everything that's been going on. That's such, wow, you just like blew my mind. That's incredible. If this was, if this was like the world, yeah, wow. And I just, I just realized it this morning. <laughs> Kyle, don't crack the code. <laughs> Can you imagine? I just want to say, I think it's really cool. And, and my God, not enough can be said about the beauty of Pepe Labraza's art. But the way that these these new characters seem to, you know, reflect or echo different mythology or like the, the four that walk, you know, that, that go out into space to, to capture that tentacle creature uh, look like, like representatives of the Zodiac, right? And it looks like there's Gemini, maybe Pisces is the fish, and Taurus. I just think it's it's cool because it's it, they don't knock you over the head with that. You know, it's not like those are their names, Taurus and Gemini, and you know, but it's there. And the X-Men have loved representation of bigger ideas since the beginning. I think half of what people like about Apocalypse is he's like a gayer looking Thanos that has horsemen. Like, I just think that's what people like. They're like, oh, my God. And he has four and they're so cute. And he's so big and blue. Oh, my God. That's totally tubular. I love his armor. Oh, my God. And that spaceship. Shout out to all the Valley Girls who love X-Men. <laughs> yeah, shout out to the APOC Valley Girl squad that we just created. No matter who wins, we definitely lose. So I think there's a lot to be said about Free Comic Book Day X-Men, and I think it did a lot of great, wonderful things. Whether it's Opal Luna Saturnine dominating a page with her boss-ass personality and making sure she gets her job done, whether it's the continuous use of the theme of the tarot cards, continuing from the original Hoxpox, to the beautiful art that's taking our breath away. Oh my god, the tarot goes back to Hoxpox. Oh my god, Rasputin was on a tarot card. How is that- how is- how is that where this all began? How is that where we began? Holy shit. It makes sense that we've got a theme, an over overarching theme for this whole new era. Fate. 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 Welcome the X-Men Tarotverse. Oh my god, and tarot cards predict your destiny, and Mystique can't get destiny back. Ah, wait, tarot cards are- wait, no, but precogs aren't allowed, but everybody's using fucking tarot cards! <laughs> well, interpreting cards isn't exactly... There's a, I think there's a difference between precognition and <laughs> using a form of occult to predict the future. Hey guys, welcome back to a special episode of This Is X on X's for Podcast. We are splitting things up today. We're going to be doing something of a simulcast production. I have Nico, Kyle, and our very great guest Arturo in one room discussing the continuity of the books that we'll be tackling today. But with me, I have a couple of returning guests, one new guest, and we're going to be focusing on mainly the aesthetics of the books as we march towards the inevitability of Ten of Swords. So with me today, of course, I have returning Josh, Mr. Asleep at the Wheel. What's up? Glad to be here. And returning again with us, we have the incomparable Nathan. Hey, how are you guys doing? Thanks for having me. And we love having them so much. It's always such a pleasure to have them on. But with us today, we have a new voice joining X's for Podcast. I have a very good friend of Nico's through X Twitter, and I'm very excited to get to know her a little bit more myself. Please, everybody, welcome Evelyn. Hi, I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to have you here. And now I understand that you work somewhat adjacent to this industry. Why don't you tell us a little bit about LGBTHQ? Yeah, so I met Nico about two years ago now, where I went to an event that the LGBTHQ was hosting. 
And I thought it was such a great organization that I immediately signed up to volunteer. And then now I just do a lot with them. It's a lot of fun. It's a diversity group uh, to really promote diversity and safe spaces at different comic cons and anime conventions. And it's just so much fun. I've met the most amazing people through there and it's always exciting. You know, and it's so incredible to hear that. And I just want to thank you for doing that work because it's so important that we're creating safe, inclusive spaces for the people who are important to us in our lives that we would like to include in this beautiful and burgeoning industry. And to see that there is a, we're holding space for everybody to be welcome to enjoy the same things. And I think that's uh, truly incredible. But before, before we turn the spotlight entirely away from you, I just want to ask, because it's customary here with all of our new guests, if you had to narrow it down, and it's harrowing, but if you had to narrow it down to a single favorite X-Men, who, who takes your number one spot? So it is hard. I have a couple that I could choose, but I'm going to have to go Kitty Pride. Okay. All right. This is an this is an excellent time to be a Kitty Pride fan. There is there is certainly a lot of fodder for you to sink your teeth into right now. What with Marauders and her resurrection, definitely a fantastic. I've been really enjoying it. <laughs> That's so incredible. So today, guys, like I said, we're going to be splitting up from the main team. Two thirds of our founding. Ooh, excuse me. Our entire founding squad, Nico, Jonah, and Kyle, are over in another room discussing the continuity of today's books. And as said before, we're going to be focusing a little bit more on the aesthetic side of things, just taking a look at the art and really just seeing what it is that is going to drive the meat of this story visually as we go into our first and second chapters today. So without any further ado, guys, I would like to take a, take a second and discuss Free Comic Book Day X-Men number one. We see a little bit of a rehash in what we'll be discussing next week in creation number one. But there's a five-card spread done by Opaluna Saturnine, which sets up the story for Ten of Swords as we know it. The cards as drawn are Judgment, Four of Wands, The Hanged Man, Eight of Cups, and Ten of Swords. I did want to take a second and go through some of the text from Free Comic Book Day and compare it with creation. But first and foremost, I just wanted to pivot to the, the beautiful assemblage of guests that I have today and just see if there was anything specifically that stood out about Free Comic Book Day X-Men number one to you. First off, the art, just like in Hoxpox, is so beautiful. All of the Pepe Larraz and Marte Gracia with the coloring. It, I mean, I love that it brings us back to that kind of... It feels like it's bringing us back to Hoxpox. I think anytime we get that art and coloring, it's going to have that exalted status because of what it did at the beginning of this story. But also, I really liked some subtle beats that they did. Saturnine in particular, when she's walking in, I felt very specifically was supposed to evoke and look like Emma walking into was it the courtroom of the United Nations in Hoxpox when she gave her big fancy entrance. Oh, and yeah, it absolutely does. I, I loved that just as Saturnine kind of being reminiscent or shading on like other blondes because it was such a common thing of her getting confused or blending in or being an alternate version of Saturnine in the original Excalibur run. Like, no, this is the banker woman from this universe. Or no, it's actually Saturn 9 with the number 9 from an alternate universe. Or no, it like that there was so much with like her being confused or similar to other blondes for them to really match that up, I thought 
was a nice kind of call to the past as well as maybe foreshadowing to the future that there could be some multiple or, you know, blurring of the Saturnines coming. The art has so much to it. It's like it's like text that's written on multiple levels. It's, you know, like when you get that metaphor that works like literally and figuratively, like when it can be applied in multiple situations, the art from La Raz and Gracia does that for me where like it's beautiful up front and it recalls things from the past and it can, you know, be compared to other pieces outside of this. It's just there's so much there to appreciate. I, I love every time we get their art. The Emma Frost comparison. I I noted that, too. It was very reminiscent and I dug it. I love the like how they set up such a stylized difference between uh, the, the cards themselves, which have uh, sort of, you know, Egyptian sort of feel with the Araco and uh, uh, Apocalypse focus and like the fantasy feel of the Starlight Citadel. And uh, it, it's just really a cool kind of juxtaposition, especially, too, with the um, star that they go to and they blow up the heart of and that really cool alien tentacle that comes out like they kill it mm. yeah, absolutely alien uh, tentacles are always cool. always <laughs> yes you know and it really it really helps to set the stage for you know for someone who is not familiar with obaluna saturnine who might be reading this it really helps to set the tone of just how important she is you know the death of a star is a small price to pay for the favor of saturnine that's a bold claim you know i was like wow that's really you know nice. <laughs> Truly, and to go back to something that Josh was saying to to discuss the the styling of Opaluna Saturnine, it's not very easy to differentiate two different blonde women in white. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I feel like there is no there J. Is Scott Campbell's nuance. never been able to figure it out. No, J. Scott Campbell has never been able to figure it out. No, <laughs> friend of the pod, J. Scott Campbell. <laughs> I think there there was such such a beautiful nuance done by Pepe Larraz in distinguishing this character as her own. But I also only wish that I could have seen five more panels of what Opaluna Saturnine sees through the monocle that she creates from the heart of the star. When she sees that world of fae surrounding her white priestess holding the tarot box, I could have done with an entire page of what this world of fae looks like. Yeah. So in moving the discussion today over to the cards, we're looking at Judgment, and as we know from Excalibur number 12, which we'll be discussing later on, we are seeing Apocalypse and the Summoner Minor at the external great gate of Krakoa. The external gate connecting Krakoa to Arako through the other world. And the text here says, Finality, an irrevocable change. From here there is no going back. Surrendering to rebirth is the only path ahead. I don't quite know how this will affect either character that are featured here. I don't quite see Apocalypse surrendering by any means. I am definitely excited to see what comes of this world of immense that we're walking into. So let me ask you, and for all of you, Whose rebirth? What rebirth? When we're talking surrendering to rebirth, what do you think is being reborn here that's getting hinted at? Mm, is it going to be the joining, the rebirth of Krakoa and Arako together, maybe? Or I would say it's going to be the rejoining of Krakoa and Arako if, if I had to, like, gun to my head, make a choice. Like, that is, that is my ultimate assumption. Yeah, I feel like... I mean, that's just a criticism I have of a, of a comic we're going to talk about later. But I feel like it's a little on the nose where they're telling us what's going to happen a little bit more 
So if there is a something else that ends, I will be pleasantly surprised. Right. It would be a nice twist if it's something else. But yeah, it all looks like it's going towards that, right, though? Yeah, I think so, too. It could very well be a rebirth of either one of these characters, either Apocalypse or the Summoner, neither of whom have seen their uh, inevitable end. But I think I think to boast the rebirth of a character like the Summoner, who is so new to this property, would kind of fall on deaf ears a little bit. So to move on to the Four of Wands, we see the assemblage of what we can presume to be the original Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse, facing off against what look like a menthi demons and the text here says the labors of a community a family coming together for a black ceremony a baptism of blood once again the question is whose blood so this is my favorite card out of all of them i just love the artwork in here and like the juxtaposition of the four people fighting and it really shows that they're connected in a way most likely a family bond and I don't know, this card's particular just stood out to me. And I just, I love the artwork with it. I loved the way it was just rendered. Just all of it was really cool. Oh, the green, the green cloud of skulls behind Bay the Blood Moon is out of control. Yeah. It is truly the anchor in this image. And it's not to say that there's anything about the incarnation of the four horsemen that, that pales in comparison, but something about that green skull just really draws my eye to it. It makes me want to know everything about Bay the Blood Moon, just absolutely everything. But in discussing the cards themselves, I just want to point out once again, the five card spread is normally a spread that indicates uh, your present in your first card, the past, the future, the reason, and your potential outcome. Mm. So as we're looking at the Four of Wands today, Mm. in the number two spot, the Four of Wands, the original Four Horsemen, should be symbolic of the past, which of course makes sense. Yeah. And the Four of Wands is specifically a card of celebration or homecoming. So Mm -hmm. as we'll be discussing next week, you know, it's 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 tricky right now because I feel like everybody in this room has read creation number one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And and we are we are sworn to secrecy until next week, so there's very little that we can do to discuss but to move on in this moment. The thing I will say is I was listening again to Teeny Howard doing pre creation interviews. She said that she put, you know, hours, days, weeks of labor into the tarot and that like, if you understand, ta- like, you're just giving me some tarot stuff now. I didn't know about the, you know, the present, the past, the future, the reason. But the, she said that, like, these tarot-wise will be, there will be nothing that you can look at after and be like, well, that doesn't make sense in tarot or that card shouldn't have been there. Like, she said that the tarot is, like, is done without flaw. So Yeah, I was listening to an interview with her, and she is a tarot partic- uh, practitioner as well. So she really knows what she's doing when it comes to tarot. So that makes me realize that we have some authenticity in here and that if you know tarot like Maddie seems to, like you can really understand what's about to happen. You know, and it's it's funny as somebody who understands the tarot but doesn't understand the context of what we're reading just yet because we're only two of 24 issues in. It is so frustrating because there's a part of me when this came out in August, I was like, okay, but I need to know right now if this is all correct. <laughs> like, I need to know right now if this all lines up. And I won't. And it's not going to be for for two more months, it feels like, that we'll be able to sit down in retrospect and pool all of our resources together and be like, no, see, this is why the hangman doesn't make sense. But funny enough, and to speak of the hangman, 
That's the one that I really wanted to focus on today. That is a little bit the impetus for this conversation. The Hanged Man, the future card, a card of surrender and letting go, has the text, Sacrifice. Curious. Can any of them be trusted to throw themselves on the pyre of change? I've been given permission to source some of the text from creation, where we see this five-card spread rehashed with different text. In creation, the Hanged Man text says, Here no men hang, but something has been suspended indeed. Time, natural laws, and earthly attachments. They bring themselves here to the game at the gallows. What do they wager to lose? And in the image, originally, as we're looking at free comic book day number one, left to right, we have Banshee, Angel, Polaris, Richter, Glob Herman, Trinary, Beast, Apocalypse, and Havoc. In creation, we see that Banshee has been replaced by Siren, Trinary and Glob Herman are nowhere to be found and are replaced by Rockslide and the Summoner. I don't know if anybody caught that. I did notice yeah, there was yeah, a difference. Absolutely. Yeah. You have to. I mean, it's it's Rockslide is so, you know, and I, I, I pull up that, that page in creation just for reference. There's something about going from the bubblegum pink of Glob Herman to such a stark gray of Rockslide that I had to take pause in looking at that card again and say something about this is not right. So, yeah, yes. it's, it's hard to talk about it without yeah. talking about the issue. Because I have so many thoughts and ideas and questions that are creation-based. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, oh, is, it makes sense now. Be, as I, I promise you all, as soon as we make it through Free Comic Book Day, number one, uh, the sooner that itch dies. <laughs> you know, as soon as, as soon as we get away from these cards, because, and not to, not to give anything away, but again, with limited permission, I can say... This card spread gets rehashed not once but twice in the first 10 pages of creation. And it is everything. It is absolutely everything. But to move on and to get further away from this this nightmare casual loop that we're stuck in. Focusing on the free comic book day, though, I did really... It, it brought me back to the stories of Apocalypse and his sacrifice, right? And the question that we've been getting about... You know, was his sacrifice of staying behind while they went to the other side when Arako and Krakoa were split? Like, was his sacrifice braveness or coward? You know, did he fear going through or did he, you know, like, what was that? Um, and, and I felt like, to me, this card, you know, when it talked about, like, you know, will they be able to make the sacrifice was really hinting at that past of apocalypse and what might be asked of him in this story because he's such a major player yeah he's never been afraid to make the hard choices has he <laughs> no truly not and as we move into our discussion of x-men number 12 later in this episode we're definitely going to be coming back to that question of was it bravery or cowardice yeah you know yeah. there is there is a lot to mm -hmm. unpack there but to, to wrap up this quick spread, we have the number four card, the reason card, the eight of cups. The text from Free Comic Book Day says, Disillusionment, abandonment, that which was once harmonious lifting of voices is now a mocking echo, then silence. And as we can say definitively from having read X-Men number 12, the characters featured here are Genesis on the left, wife of Apocalypse, which, stunning. Yes. That somebody married him. <laughs> <laughs> and on the right... On the right, we have the, the classified uh, character who we can now safely say is Annihilation, which is unbelievable character design, first and foremost. Yes, I so, yeah. also I had... just love the artwork here. The faces are just absolutely stunning, and the expressions on them just look very realistic and very stern, and that really conjures up images of what's going to be happening. 
Yeah, this is the one I had the most to say about. I had specific notes written for the Eighth of Cups, but um, that which was once a harmonious lifting of voices is now a mocking echo, then silence. Is that not the best description ever of divorce? Ooh. Ooh. Wow, I didn't even think of it that way. (laughs) That's incredible. And now uh, from there, we can only compare that to the text from creation, which says someone's heart has been left empty. She has been wanting for something more. Will she turn away? Will she be turned away? A woman like this keeps her cup close. So I definitely think that we are discussing the intimacy in the relationship between Genesis and Apocalypse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I just know when I saw this card, Which, I was like, oh, I have to know who these guys are. Like, these ladies are. I have to know. Like, wow. And I mean, that is some super Hickman right there that he can, you know, write an X-Men comic that gets you to say things about, you know, the intimate relationship of Genesis and Apocalypse without even realizing, like, the other layers, the, the other things that that exact sentence could mean. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, the, the the double meaning is is so strong that's, in this text. That's some super Hickmaning right there, <laughs> for sure. Hickman at his finest, and again, the Eight of Cups is a card that symbolizes disappointment. So, seems like Apocalypse isn't getting any luckier anytime soon. No. So I go by comic underscore canary on Instagram and Twitter. Um, I'm just a huge nerd on there and I actually run my own podcast called Tolkien About It where I am going through a read along with uh, my dad actually uh, on all of the Tolkien books starting with Lord of the Rings because something that shames me deeply is my only geek cred thing that I don't have is I've actually never read them before so my dad actually on it (laughs) so we're both kind of just going through and reading it from like the two different perspectives and that's always a lot of fun um you can find me on twitter at dazzler ala also where aniko and i are running a kokoan remix karaoke event so we're doing four different uh categories so event one is going to be age of hellfire where hellfire club takes over the u.s and what changes go from there um, you can go online to Twitter. It's a great fan opportunity for fan artists and fan writers to get together and create something new and unique. So hopefully you guys will go and check out the Krakoan Remix Karaoke Project. Asleep at the W-E-I-L on Twitter or asleep at the com is my website where I've got uh, review videos, recap articles, um, galleries for uh, old X-Men comics. What about you, Maddie? Where do we find you? As always, you can find me right here on Cage Club Network as well as on Instagram at, at the basically covetous man. And before we part, something worth saying and something worth repeating. Black Lives Matter queer and trans dreams matter, women's reproductive rights matter, and your vote matters. It is important now more than ever to hold space for people of marginalized communities and diminished voices in such a time of social unrest. Be cautious and mindful in your words and your actions, and remember that the only bias that is appropriate is one that protects the rights and lives of others. And as always, keep those Krakoan lights lit. You can find me on both Twitter and Instagram at Drantus82, that's D-R-A-N-T-U-S-82.
ATIS82. Arturo, where can everybody find you? You can find me playing with toys and screaming into the void at Mr. Toy Box on Twitter and Instagram. That's M-I-S-T-E-R-T-O-Y-B-O-X. Jonah, where can everybody find you? You can find me putting myself in an energy crystal to then haunt Nico and Kevo because I feel like that'd be kind of funny as a bit. And then I'd have to come back because it'd be like, where's Jonah on Twitter and Instagram at peak Jonah. Nico, where can everybody find you? Guys, you can find me for the next 10 weeks celebrating the amazing that is X of Swords each week with this incredible gang of people bringing in more diverse and inclusive voices to make sure that everybody feels represented here on Krakoa course if you're looking to find me elsewhere you can find me being loud and annoying over on twitter and instagram at nico action n-i-c-o-a-c-t-i-o-n or you can find me on all of the feeds of this amazing channel like too fast too forever i think i said all but i'm just on a bunch too fast too forever all fall long don't forget to check me out on html my amazing project i do with my husband jonah's boyfriend the incredible kevo as we take a look at the fantastic four franchise for the remainder of the year and guys real quick I just want to mention, it goes without saying, but just in case someone else needs to hear it one more time for everybody in the back, Black Lives Matter, Trans Dreams Matter, and you have to vote like everyone's life depends on it because by goodness, this election cycle, it sure does. Guys, we can't wait to have you back here on Krakoa. And until we return, keep those Krakoan gateways open and those mutant lights lit and we'll see ya.